You are listening to Holy Words from Holy Cross, the sermon podcast of Holy Cross Evangelical Lutheran Church in Nazareth, Pennsylvania. We hope you find these words a blessing in your daily walk with God. Please visit us on the web at www.holycrossnazareth.org or in person at 696 Johnson Road, Nazareth, Pennsylvania. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Don't be all else to me, save that thou Would you join me for a word of prayer? Gracious Lord, while your saving purposes have ever been constant in every age, your manner of accomplishing our salvation has changed as circumstances have changed. Lord, as we contemplate this day, the most amazing of all circumstances, your entrance into human history and see the broad sweep of your saving purposes across history, bring us to an understanding that brings us to our knees and calls us to glorify you and your wisdom. This we ask in the precious name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Well, our Old Testament reading today is one of the more famous passages of the Old Testament. If people know only a few stories about the Old Testament, they'll typically know David and Goliath, they'll know Noah and the ark, and they may know this one. If among all the prophetic literature, they may know this story of the prophet Elijah. The prophet has gone to the mountain and he is seeking the voice of God. And of course, God is not found in the whirlwind. He's not found in the earthquake. He's not found in the fire. He's found in, well, to use the translation we use today, the low whisper. Or I still like the King James better that still small voice of God. They know this episode, or at least they know that phrase, the still small voice of God, the need to be quiet enough in prayer that we can hear what God is saying. But sometimes people don't know the story and what brought Elijah to this place. Elijah has been engaged in a battle with Ahab's queen, Jezebel. He's married a foreign queen and she has imported the worship of false gods from her home territory into the middle of the people of Israel and is in fact doing her best to supplant the worship of Yahweh with the worship of the gods, the god Baal from Babel, okay? What we would think of as Babel. Um, Babylon. So what you have is this this incredible fight going on and Elijah ends up in a smackdown with the priests of Baal. And he says like, you know, it's it's like, are you ready to rumble? And they set up a sacrifice. They set up a giant altar. And he's like, okay, if your God's so good, let's set this wood on fire. And They try earnestly. They dance around it. They do their rituals and this kind of stuff. And Elijah says, well, you know, pour a little water on it. Pour a lot of water on it before I give my shot at it. (laughs) And he calls upon God and, and the Lord uses that moment to set the wood on fire and then 
drive out and destroy the priests of Baal who are gathered there. Jezebel is not happy that her team got beat. And so she's chasing, chasing Elijah through the wilderness. He's got a death sentence hanging over his head, as have nearly everyone who worships Yahweh now. So Elijah is feeling, frankly, a little dispirited, a little low in the morale, a little self-pitying, and he runs to the mountain of God, hoping that he will hear God as once Moses did in that place. Maybe there's a new burning bush to attend to, or maybe God will come down and write in some new stones with his finger. And the three things that we hear that he's exposed to first that are not where God is speaking, the whirlwind, the earthquake, the fire, these are all the things that characterized worship on the mountain of God during the time of Moses. And God is essentially communicating to Elijah, that was the way Moses heard me. That's not the way you're going to hear me. Everyone's got their own place in my plan And by the way, it isn't all about you. You're not the only one left. There are 7,000 more risking the same things you've risked to stay faithful to me and to not kiss the idols of this foreign God. And now, and now, to prove to you that it's not all about you, that you're only here to do my work, but it's my work that needs to be done. Now you're going to start, and when you leave the mountain, you're going to appoint, anoint, excuse me, two new kings, one for Syria and one for Israel. And then you're going to go anoint your own successor in this ministry because the work of God continues, it never rests all on one person. And that's what he does. He goes down the mountain, encounters Elisha. Elisha's just a field worker. There's 12 yoke of oxen working the field. He's working. He's the last one. He's in line last, okay? And Elijah goes to him and throws his cloak over him, his mantle. Have you ever heard about passing the mantle? This is the biblical story where it comes from, okay? He places the mantle on Elisha, and Elisha apparently understands what this means, that he's, he's one of those faithful 7,000. He knows that now he's going to take Elijah's place or at least be introduced to the same kind of ministry that Elijah's doing. And he runs after him, and he says, hey, can I go home and kiss my mom and dad? Essentially means, can I kiss them goodbye? And Elijah says this kind of perplexing thing at first. He says, he says well, what have I done for you? Go do it. Go back. What he's saying it took, it, I had to hit a lot of commentaries because it's a little strange, his, his manner of saying it. He's essentially saying to him, I've called you to the Lord's work. Do you really think you can do the Lord's work by ignoring God's law? Isn't there a commandment about honor your father and mother? So go back and honor your father and mother. Then get, come back here and do the work. And Elisha does just that. And the way he does it is particularly important. He goes back, he, he takes those oxen, which are his way of making a living, and he slaughters them and sacrifices them. Then he takes the plow that he was working the field with, makes that into a bonfire to cook the oxen, and he feeds all the other field workers, and then he follows Elijah. He has this, you've heard about burning your bridges? He's just burned his plow. There's no going back to his old way of life. 
He's got no, no ability to now give up the call he's accepting from, from God through Elijah. And if you follow 1 Kings into 2 Kings, it used to all be one book, uh, you'll see eventually Elijah is taken up in the chariot of fire and Elisha takes his place and continues the prophetic ministry of the Lord. So fast forward now to our gospel reading. And Jesus is calling his disciples. Just like Elijah called Elisha to be his disciple, learn the trade, and then go do the work, so now Jesus is calling his disciples. And this time when one of them says to him, hey, can I go take care of my family? He says, no. Nope, those who put their hand to the plow and look back are not fit for the kingdom of God. Now, what's changed? Has the law of God changed? No. There's still a, there is still a commandment to honor your father and mother. What's changed is that the lawgiver is no longer absent. If you are in the presence of the lawgiver, you don't go back to the books and check and see what he said once upon a time. You listen to what he's saying right now. And Jesus in this particular reading, is making abundantly clear to anyone who can connect the dots that he is, in fact, Yahweh come in the flesh. He is the same Lord that Elijah listened to on the mountain, but he's no longer speaking in that low whisper. He's speaking through the mouth of the incarnate Son of God. Jesus is making it all about himself. And Jesus does this in every gospel. John is where it's most obvious. In the book of John, you can't miss that Jesus understands that he's God come in the flesh. I got that on my first reading of John's gospel. But as scholars have made abundantly clear now, people like Lydia McGrew, who's just done tremendous work, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Jesus equally makes himself the center of attention, the focus of what God is doing. And in fact, the reason why God's law is important. God's law only works in God's kingdom. And Jesus is saying, wherever I am, that's where the kingdom is. And that is why they are called to follow him. It's only in following him that you follow the laws. Jesus is making it all about himself. And the church has failed again and again in history when it has ceased to make being a Christian about Jesus himself and started making it about other things, usually about following Jesus' teachings. Now, we follow Jesus' teachings, but we don't follow Jesus' teachings apart from Jesus himself. Moral or cultural conservatives went the direction of following, making Jesus into a preacher of temperance and a, a preacher of, uh, you know, being a good upstanding citizen in the 1700s and 1800s. Progressive Christians today make Jesus the chief revolutionary in a cultural battle whose example we are to follow, kind of a Che Guevara in the first century. But Jesus makes the kingdom of God all about himself. And his teachings only have moral import at all because of who he is. God in the flesh. Wherever Jesus is, there is the kingdom of God.
And the church forgets that at its peril. This happened to a church just a few years ago. Maybe 20 years ago now. This church was lively and growing and everything was exciting. And it was lively, it was lively and growing and exciting in Europe where there's not a lot of people going to church. And then they fell to fighting. They thought this was a good way to glorify the name of Jesus. Let's fight over the music we use to praise Jesus. And we're going to fight about it not because it's substantive, like these lyrics are bad and these lyrics are good. We're going to fight about style. I don't like that kind of music. I don't like that kind of music. Let's argue about that and make the church all about what music we're using. It reached a point where it was so fractious, the congregation was about ready to rip apart. The pastor took the pulpit one Sunday and said, I have had enough of this. There will be no music in worship. We are fasting from music until we remember what's most important about what we're doing here. And for several months, that's exactly what they did. They worshiped with only the spoken word until they all came around to realizing that worship was about Jesus Christ himself and not about the things we like when we come here or us being entertained or us feeling good. It's about becoming disciples of Christ because wherever he is, there is the kingdom of God. You can imagine how this fast made the musicians in the church feel. What what do I do now? What's my point? Why am I here? And the answer is you're here to follow Jesus like everyone else. One of those musicians was a a gentleman named Matthew Redman, young man. It took a lot of prayer and a lot of conversation and Bible study for him, his heart to get reoriented from, I do these things for God to, I'm with Jesus and that's what's important. But in the process of that change of heart, as they were finally emerging from that time of of fasting from music and the pastor announced that they would go back to using music in worship, a song came to him, a very simple song, very few chords, very few words. Um, And I want to share that song with you now. It's it's a song that, um, as, as the youth say, went viral. And so now people all over the world sing this in many different languages. When the music fades And all is stripped away And I simply come Longing just to bring Something that's of worth That will bless your heart I'll bring you more than a song For a song in itself Is not what you have required you search much deeper within Through the way things appear You're looking into my heart I'm coming back to the heart of worship 
And it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it. When it's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus. King of endless worth, all one could express how much you deserve. Though I'm weak and poor, all I have is yours, every single breath. I'll bring you more than a song, for a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within through the way things appear. You're looking into my heart. I invite you to join us. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. And it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for that thing I've made it. When it's all about you. I'm coming back to the heart of worship And it's all about you It's all about you, Jesus I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it When it's all about you It's all about you, Jesus Would you join me for a word of prayer? Gracious Lord, we can't thank you enough that you have revealed yourself to us in our Lord Jesus Christ. That he has sacrificed so much for us. That he has shown us clearly who you are and spoken to us clearly what you require. Keep us focused body, mind, and spirit upon him, that we might be transformed into your agents of grace, living as your kingdom people, for wherever Jesus is, there is the kingdom. We ask this in his name. Amen. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart, not be all else to me, save that thou art. Be thou my best thought in the day and the night. Waking or sleeping, thy presence my light. 